0: Hey guys, this is Alec from Coffee Unleashed Podcast, and we are really, really excited today to continue the podcast. I believe we're on episode 12, uh, diving in again to discuss a little bit more about the coffee industry. We have some awesome uh, new friends uh, from uh, well, well afar, <laughs> um, but excited to be here. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive right in um, to uh, our Coffee Unleashed Podcast. So, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and let them all know uh, who you guys are? Sure. For sure. Hey, uh, great! Thanks for letting me. Th- thanks for giving us the chance to speak on your podcast.
1: Uh, my name is James. Um, I came all the way from Berlin, Germany and I am the founder of the Filter Stories podcast. Uh, I've been working coffee for many years, um, and I've now started a This American Lifestyle podcast, which reveals the the true stories within the coffee industry that uh, that are going to show what's really happening um, uh, beyond the Instagram post, beyond the the marketing that you see. These are human interest stories that uh, make us feel more empathetic towards those that we don't see or hear in the coffee industry, but whose work is in the coffee that you drink every time you put it to your lips, and I'm joined here with my friend Raymond. Yeah, I'm Raymond Detweiler. Um,
2: I've spent most of my life outside of the coffee industry, actually. But I grew up in uh, grew up in Indiana, and um, um, I most recently worked at. Um, I most recently was a barista at Color Coffee Roasters in in Eagle, Colorado. Um,
1: yeah. Awesome.
0: All right. Yeah, so what was really cool, I think, about this whole thing was um, if you guys have been following our company for a while um, or listening to the podcast, we did a little recap about um, SCA this last year uh, where we had the opportunity to connect with a lot of just different people in the industry and and all of that. We were featured at the Roasters Village, so it gave us a little bit of a platform to talk and and meet some people. So we actually got to meet... um, had that setting which was really really cool um so yeah talk to me because um for us obviously we were on our side and didn't really get to mingle um so talk to everybody a little bit about you know what it was like to be on the other side of of uh, SCA and and what you know got you connected with other roasters
1: Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, we're talking about 5,000, 10,000 people yeah. all running around like crazy trying to make connections. And uh, usually, um, you know, you just bump into people. And so I was I was working the village because I was looking for stories, as I do for the podcast. And um, people like yourself have amazing stories or, you know, of people who have amazing stories. Uh, so I yeah had a coffee from you and I said, hey, you got a story for to share. And I can't rec- recall what we said. I could probably find the audio, but I can't <laughs> remember. Um, but it was uh, along the lines of, you had a podcast too, and you were in, in Indiana. And I also knew that, uh, well, um, I was coming to Indiana because I was collecting, well, uh, documenting a, um, a reunion, which is, uh, I guess, why Raymond's with me right now. Um, uh, I can, ex- um, If you listen to the first, no, the fourth episode of Filter Stories, it is essentially the journey, Raymond's journey, Um through through his childhood and how he ended up to be in specialty coffee. And I can talk too quickly. We can talk a little bit about that if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Raymond, where were, um, where were you born? I was actually
2: born in Pennsylvania. Um, we moved, my family and I moved to Indiana when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, um, can And what kind of community were you born into? Yeah, it was an Old Order Amish community. Um, it's well. You probably listened to some of the description, and you, maybe you know. Living in Indiana, you might maybe have seen some of the horses and buggies. But yeah, it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very plain lifestyle. No, you know, no electricity, no, no cars. No, it's very, very religious and very
1: um, um, simplistic. And and one thing we spoke about in our in when we did um, our our podcast is how um, you at a young age wanted to. You were very inquiring and inquisitive. Uh, For example, there's a story that you tell about um, uh, National Geographic. Do you remember that story? Yes,
2: absolutely. So, yeah, that that the origin of that story, I guess, was um, in in an Amish school. So the way that Amish schools work is they don't. Well, Amish people don't send their schools don't send their children um, to public schools, but instead they have their own sort of parochial schools. Um, In my case, it was a small one-room schoolhouse. Um, We had grades one through eight um, in the same schoolhouse. It's just sort of um, you know, first grade in the first row, second grade in the second row. I had one other person in my class. I (laughs) believe there were, yeah, there were, I guess we had, I think we had 28 people or so, if I remember, in that schoolhouse, Um, but really, I think most people would think of, or, or at this point, I would think of education as you know the focus of it is to teach, teach you how to think and teach you how to ask questions and where to find answers. Um, that's very much not the case, or that wasn't my experience um, in an Amish school. It was very much, um, this is what you need to know to be a good Amish person. Like We're, we're going to equip you with the skills that you need to live this lifestyle. Um, and I was always very inquisitive and very inquiring. Um, not sure why, um, but yeah, it's so. One one subject that's not that's very much not covered or not taught in Amish schools is science. Um, and I guess really anything very analytical. Now there's definitely a sort of um, uh, you have your basic arithmetic and things like that, but you're really not taught how to think and. Um, you know, there were some magazines and, and some science textbooks and things laying around that I got my hands on, and I found those more interesting than, you know, for instance, learning German or reading the Bible. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Um, so, and also, I didn't have, I really didn't have a good home life. I wasn't, um, I wasn't happy there, and I spent a lot of time sort of trapped in my own head, so I think that... Um, it was definitely an outlet um, I would read everything that I could get my hands on um, and that was you know something that I got my hands on that i really really um, you know it was it was all new to me I had never heard of of any of this material right and it was you know I, I would read about geology about you know the formation of rocks and minerals and so forth um, and ask questions i would I would ask my dad you know you know I remember asking my dad um, you know, what other planets are in the solar system? Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. And, and, and I got a lot of answers that were very unsatisfactory and, and patently false. Um, and I quickly, you know, I quickly realized that I was being told something that wasn't true. And um, I took offense to it. And I think that's sort of where it, where it all started. I was, I was asking questions and not getting answers.
1: <clears throat> and um, and and fast forward, because in your your community there's no Rumspringer either, uh, or there or maybe technically there was, but it wasn't it wasn't something that you felt you were able to do. That's right. Um, there are
2: lots of Amish communities where where teenagers, when they turn sixteen, do have an opportunity to leave and to explore the outside world. Um, that wasn't those tend to be in communities that are a little more liberal um, that don't that. We were old older Amish, so it's sort of uh, you know very very plain, um, and it wasn't an option that I had. Now, room springer for us wasn't um, it wasn't you know go live a different lifestyle, go have different experiences, go see what it's like to be to not be Amish, um, and for for us it was you get to you get to go to youth groups basically. And, but with other Amish, um, with other Amish people, with other Amish youth, um, and it was not, you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't
1: getting, actually getting out. Yeah. And then you fast forward, <coughs> you fast forward many, many years into your late 20s, and all of a sudden, you're working as a barista in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So you've gone from, you've gone from paro- a parochial Amish school without, um, you know, Rumspringer, really, uh, as as we understand it, to, yeah, to, um, pulling shots of coffee in Melbourne. Um, and, uh, and well, I guess the question is we're, we're coming back here to Indiana, uh, because you haven't seen your folks in, in, in quite a long time. Right. Yeah. It has now been,
2: I saw, i I saw them several times after I left. So I left when I was 16 and there was a period of time for several years where I would go back. Um, but it was always very awkward. It was, um, And I think it was mostly, it was, I've talked to, you know, now in the past several weeks especially, I've talked to um, some other Amish people, and that wasn't necessarily their experience. Um, But my family was very, it was very cold and very, um, it felt like I was, you know, sort of being judged, being interrogated. Um, You know, I would, it was, I would come in for breakfast on Sunday morning and be seated at the end of the table and just like um, I guess the black sheep and disapproved of the whole time so after a while I just let that go and said well I'm not coming back I'm not doing this this is not like this is this is not good for any of this not good for me it's not good for you Um, so I just sort of cut all ties now I did live in the neighborhood so I would see them occasionally but I didn't um, I didn't go see my family I didn't maintain contact at all and then at one point, well, when I graduated from high school, um, I moved away, and that's sort of when I really lost contact. And yeah, the past week I've made, um, I've been talking to people that I haven't
1: talked to in 10, 15 years. Yeah. So the first time seeing your parents in over, almost over a decade. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, I saw my dad for the first time in over a decade two days ago. Um, we, you know, I've, I've been sort of reestablishing contact, calling my brothers and sort of, um, I've been giving them, you know, I've, I told them about the podcast. I said, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. Uh, the point of it is to try to reestablish some connections, um, and just, um, to see if we can't, um, see if we can't come together again, I guess. Um, and yeah, and, and one of my brothers and I, Abram and I were having a conversation, and and you know just kind of trying to figure out how this could work. And Abram um, said, "Well, why don't you come and help us with um, with this house that we're building?" Um, one of my sisters, Lavina, and her husband, Junior, are building a new house um, in Rockville, just outside of Rockville, um, in Indiana, here. And so I showed up there, and it was a it was it was quite an experience. I guess. I can, yeah, I can, I guess um, I, I was driving, as I was driving um, this little gravel road, and I saw somebody out of the corner of my eye. Um, I drive a car with uh, tinted windows. Nobody could see who I was, but I could see out. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody walking. And you know, for a split second, I, you know, what went through my head is, oh, there's Grandpa. And But then I realized you know, I, haven't, I haven't seen Dad in 10 years, and that's probably not Grandpa because Grandpa is in his 80s. And at that point, I was like, oh, that's dad. And it was just sort of, yeah, it was a little bit heavy. I hadn't seen him in a long, long time. And then I proceeded to, I went back to the job site and I walked in. And I didn't, I didn't, recognize, um, I didn't recognize Abram. Um, I knew it was him, um, but I still, you know, I, I shook his hand. Like, hey, Raymond and Abram and and that kind of repeated itself as you know my brothers and sisters kept sort of well you know everyone had heard at that point that i was around so they wanted to they were very welcoming and very open um, but yeah it was there was, it was there was the process of meeting
1: all of my brothers and sisters again yeah mm-hmm. And and obviously this is a we're talking about coffee as well. Coffee is a part of your lifestyle. You ha- you have worked as a roaster, as a barista. Uh, you you love the science of coffee. I know that. Um, uh, so when you, how did how did you try and express that to your parents? Did they ever ask you what you do? Yes, we were sitting around the lunch table actually, and
2: Dad asked the question. He's like, "Well, you know, so what are you doing now? Where are you working?" And um, yeah, and I at that point, I was like, "Whoa." Coffee, you know, coffee there, um, and coffee when I was growing up is the, is the big, um, the big can of Folgers or the big can of Maxwell House that you get at the grocery store. Um, So, and they've just never been exposed to specialty coffee at all. Um, So, it was, (laughs) it was a bit, it was a bit hard to, you know, explain from. I tried to explain what green coffee is. Um, of course, they've never seen green coffee. They don't realize that you know, coffee is something that is roasted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's ground and you get it out of the can and you scoop it into the percolator or whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, so I was like, well, you know, it's a seed. You kind of start, start from, uh, from, from the first step. It's a seed um, of, a, of a cherry. And then there's lots of steps. It's dried. It's you know there's there's a lot of things that happen on the farm, um, and then it's imported, and then um, you know and something that Dad kept asking is well what brand is it, because, you know is it Maxwell House is it Folgers what is it, um, so I had to explain that um, you know we get green coffee from 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 the import from um, from for example you know Red Fox or somebody like that. Um, And then, you know, at that point, it doesn't have a brand. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of Ethiopian coffee, for example. Um, And then once um, the roaster gets a hold of it and roasts it and brands it, then there are these small brands. And, you know, I explained that. And like, well, so who, why, you know, what's the difference between the, the brands then? And, you know, then it was sort of a... Um, the process of explaining that there is, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of skill and a lot of art and science behind roasting coffee, and yeah, it's just it's all completely new to him. And you know, the next thing he said was, "Well, you, I guess you better make us some coffee then." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm looking forward to doing that, mm-hmm. and using coffee as a way to to show to your your family, this is what I do, this is who I am, and they they, they can finally s- taste it as well right right yeah, yeah. yeah and it's yeah and i think i think it really is a good
2: vehicle to sort of you know show them what i am passionate about show them why i'm passionate about it um and give them some coffee that they've you know blow their minds with some delicious coffee
1: and i guess that brings us partly to why we're here at indie coffee roasters uh, with alec um because one, one idea was to even maybe show them green coffee, what coffee is before it's roasted. Maybe we could try roasting it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perhaps um, I like. Was there would, would there be an opportunity to, to take
0: some green coffee with us? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, some samples that we can move over, and that'd be cool. I think that you know, just from hearing a little bit of the story, and obviously you guys, the listeners here, we would love it if you you know, transition to enjoying the full episode of, uh, Raymond's story and and the rest of the stories. Um, but I think the cool piece with it is that, you know, coffee is a family, you know, even for people that may not have, uh, direct ties with their biological family. Um, but the coffee community is a, family. And it's, you know, even to a point where it's a common language, you know, it's very much of a subculture where, um, you know, you can speak a universal language and, you know, when you talk that, you know, you can feel some type of connection with, uh, with somebody. And, um, I think that that, that to me as a business owner and, and somebody that, you know, as we continue to develop this podcast is, um, that's a lot of what really any small business can be for the community around them. And um, because, as, as all of you guys listening, you know, you may be in the coffee industry, or maybe you own your own business, or you just love participating in local business. Um, you have an opportunity to be a part of a culture, you know, be a part of something um and uh, and especially if you feel like you don't have a home or you don't have you know a place where you can be yourself or be who you really are um your local coffee place or you know even your local restaurant or hardware store or whatever can be that for you so um just for you guys with um just so they have an understanding of filter stories uh why uh sharing stories of coffee you know what what about the filter side of filter stories why that side versus just uh, any other you know industry so mm-hmm. <coughs> awesome well I,
1: I would quickly add to what you said before that uh, you know I just I just set foot in Indianapolis first time in Indiana and it was actually su- surprisingly hot for a uh, you know uh, an October day and I just uh, I felt kind of overwhelmed and it was a strange city didn't know anybody. But I've come here to indie coffee roasters, and I feel it's just so. Like, this is my place. Yeah. I just, I just know that I'm home. I'm in a community that speaks my language, like you were mentioning. Um, yeah, and to your, and to your question, so, what's the filter of filter stories? Why coffee? Why did I choose? Why is um, coffee stories so important? Um, I think when you're a when you're a drinker of coffee, uh, it's very hard to really know. Like uh, where your coffee beans come from, who the people are, who the baristas are, what their stories are, what the journeys are—all you, all, the a lot of information that you're presented with is, uh, you know, uh, here's a here's an information card with some pretty dry information about this coffee, which I forget, forget all the time because it's not interesting information. Um, and the story is usually quite a sanitized. Uh, if there's a story, pretty sanitized, and it's whatever two minutes. Um, I. Think there's a space for deeper, meaningful stories that really get to the heart of what it means to be human, and how coffee is is a part of the of the human experience. Um, and first and foremost, they're great stories. I mean, I mean, hopefully one day I'll, you'll be hearing this on This American Life. <laughs> I'm working on that, <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but you know, if you hear enough of these stories, then all of a sudden you, st- I, I, I would hope the drinker starts to inquire, like you know, you start to inquire. Well, who is that person behind the counter? I mean, do they have? Could they be a Raymond and, and have come from an ext- have an extraordinary story that brought them here in the first place? Um, and or maybe you ha- you, whatever it might be, uh, have the question, ask the questions, and share that. Ask for their story, and they'll ask for your st- their, your story back. And then you know, I think it also fosters community, and it can only lead to positive things.
0: Yeah, and I think that that I mean we were talking uh, even just sitting down at the bar talking through some different things and what, you know, if you're if you've listened to anything else before from us, you know how important um sharing our story of our company and each of our individual barista's stories how important that is to us. Um and I think that, you know, that's what we really try to share with our team is um, you know, share with the customers, make a connection with them, but not some sanitized, fake, you know, how's your day connection, but, you know, um, a real genuine thing, you know, Um, and get, we try to train our team uh, to get to the point to where they genuinely care about every person that comes through, um, not just to get a tip or not just because they feel like they have to, or uh, but they genuinely want to know how this person is doing. And um, we feel like, especially in our area, that it's very fast-paced. Um, and for us, we feel like every time someone comes in, it's an opportunity to make their day better than it was when they came. Um, and I think coffee can do that. Um, it causes people to slow down a little bit. Um, enjoy what's going on, Um, maybe have a conversation with somebody that they'd never met before, um, whether it be a staff member or somebody else. Um, So I guess for everybody listening, I would really encourage you to think about what if you own a business or maybe you live in in a neighborhood or, or something, what does your small world need around you and how can you make that happen you know um i was writing a uh, for another interview that a a business student was doing a, a little showcase for us and uh they talked about what um what is at the core of you know the business like why do you do it um and i just say we just want to make an impact on our community and provide a space where people can be at home or um and, uh, I mean, it can be anything. It can be, you know, just, um, uh, think of something that you're passionate about, um, and go and make your world better by doing something you're passionate about. Um, cause it's not, you know, the drive to make more money or the drive to, um, do something fun or something like that will go away eventually. Um, or it will come stale and, uh, but, if you can seek after making your area or your world better, um, then, um, that's something that can really change everything. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that hearing your story, um, hearing yours, Raymond, and, um, it just shows me more and more how much we need to be connected and how, Uh, I mean, we were talking about this right before we jumped on how uh, starting a small business can feel siloed, uh, whether it be coffee or anything. Uh, You feel like you've got to do it all on your own or, you know, learn uh, everything you can um, because everybody's your competition and, you know, no one wants to share. Um, And that just seems totally opposite of what we should be doing Uh, because there's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of customers out there. Um, and we can, if we continue to work together, um, maybe we don't, you know, maybe we don't make as much money as we feel like we could, but we've made a lot more friends and family than, uh, we could. And, um, I think of it like the, uh, we're getting close to holiday, but think about like the whole Scrooge mentality. Like he, you know, piled up all this cash, but he burned every bridge he ever had. Um, and as a business owner, I would rather have less cash and more, you know, family and, and, and a better impact on the community um, than just be by myself, you know, making that all work. So um, that's what I love about what I get to do here as well as online in this podcast, as well as what I love about filter stories and, and uh, learning more about that. Um, it's really exciting to see real connections Take place, and um, coffee is just a way to make that happen. You know, um, and uh, I'm honored that we can speak that common language, and uh, and excited for what all that is. So, um, yeah. Any uh, parting words before we do our little sign off here, Raymond? Do you have any? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: Look
1: he, looks, uh, he looks very pensive. <laughs> Yeah. What
2: what drew me what drew me into specialty coffee initially was certainly um I found it in Seoul and I I was in a completely new city and it really was it was it was going into a coffee shop and someone being nice to me and caring about me and I went to a cupping. Uh, I didn't know what a cupping was. I'd found it online um and I was an hour late and I guess the wrong the wrong time was listed or something. Anyway, um, the barista was just incredibly incredibly kind, and and you know I was disappointed that I was late because i I'd, I'd been on the train for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, "Well, okay, will you promise to please come back next week?" And I was like, "Oh, this guy like this 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 guy cares." So of course I came back the next week. And you know, I could say the rest is history. Um, but that's that's really what made my experience. I lived in Seoul for a year teaching, and I spent um, I spent a lot of nights and weekends um, discovering new coffee shops, meeting baristas, meeting, going out with other baristas, just having, just really building a community. And when I came back to the states, um, I won't say that I. It didn't seem as open and welcoming. There was much more of a sort of you know the Scrooge <laughs> Scrooge mentality. Um, you i would wa- I, w- I would have the experience of walking into these you know very nice renowned shops with great coffee and not being treated very well, um, you know, maybe aloof baristas, maybe. Just people who didn't seem to care, and and that's not, that's not blanket true, but I think it's important to remember that specialty coffee is a small community, mm-hmm. and just, just just work on, you know, it's important to just build a community, be kind to people, mm-hmm. and the truth is, it's a small industry, it's a small community, and word gets around and you know there are definitely instances where i c- on on both sides of the spectrum where you know and it tends to be people who are newer in the industry who don't seem to realize that it you know what you do and the way you conduct yourself and um it, it it'll come back to haunt you <laughs>
1: yeah totally it's Wise. W- yeah very wise words um i'll I'll just quickly say thank you very much for having having us on the podcast uh thank you for listening to to this uh please check out filter stories to hear both um uh, raymond telling his journey um uh which is which for me was incredibly moving putting it together um, and i've heard incredible things from people who've listened to it and the second part which is um looking at that reunification and what the future looks like too raymond has hinted at a a surprise uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but we'll um that uh, that will that'll come, um, and I, I would just say that uh, I think as an industry we focus so much on the bean itself, on the flavors of the bean, and the technical aspects of the bean. It would be nothing without the people. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't go go anywhere without the people. It wouldn't be planted without the people. Um, so I think there needs to be more of a place for people and stories mm-hmm. in coffee, mm-hmm. and that's really what that's the essence of what it means to to, to make a great community mm-hmm. and to be genu- genuinely happy in what you do. Uh, so. That, that's,
0: those are my putting words. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, and just thanks a lot for coming all this way and, and uh, being able to sit down. It's, it's really exciting to bridge the gap between um, all the industries and, and everything like that. And uh, for everybody listening, um, whether you're in the business world or maybe you're just a, a consumer of a local product or something, um, I would encourage you, uh, a little challenge as you're listening Uh, ask the story or learn the story of the person serving you um so if it's a coffee shop or maybe uh your barber or uh maybe just somebody who's checking you out um at the grocery store or something uh ask them their story and and you'd be surprised at to what you're gonna hear and um like he said like raymond was saying um, if you can just be kind to each other, we can make this a lot better spot and a lot better world and, and feel a lot more like family, uh, and like home. So, um, yeah, um, if you haven't, uh, listened before, make sure that you subscribe to uh, Indie Coffee Roasters, uh Coffee Unleashed podcast. We'll also put the, uh. Uh, Link to Filter Stories uh, in the description as well. You guys can uh, catch up on that and subscribe there. Uh, Really excited for the future seasons there, as well as uh, relaunching this podcast. Uh, We're going to work on at least uh, one new episode each month, so make sure and subscribe and, uh, and get notified. Again, guys, thanks for the opportunity to sit down. If you have any questions or maybe you want to uh, have your ideas featured on the podcast, go ahead and email hello at IndyCoffeeRoasters.com uh, and uh, we can uh, get this thing rolling. Thanks again, guys, and always remember to enjoy your coffee unleashed.